Visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6 at the next Jazz home game. They've got free pop shot Cornhole and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. Time now to talk with Ben Anderson. You hear him on Jazz Radio Broadcast pre-half and post-game. He is joining us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Ben, good morning. Good morning, guys. So, Ben, I'm curious. Are you more half glass half full or glass half empty? Because watching the Twitter feed, trying to get people to explain what's been going on over the last uh, two months, um, we just got this one tweet from uh, Tenderhearted85. It's simple. The Jazz are just mediocre. They barely beat the bad teams, and they lose to the good. <laughs> They'll probably lose in the first round of the playoffs if they even make it. Okay, now you're Brother. just tweaking people on Twitter with the last part. But I think the earlier part, you know, how good are they? And what is – I think – Go ahead. I think they're very good. I, I still believe they're very good. And I think anyone who's afraid the sky is falling after yesterday is – probably set up by how good the Jazz actually are playing because you watch them for 21 games, win 19 of them, uh, to then see a performance like they had last night. It's just so jarring that, that you have to believe something's inherently wrong or something's terribly wrong with this team because it was such a, an outlier compared to how they have been playing. But, you know, to have that many good games in a row and play that consistently well and even have their bad losses, or I should say their losses come in somewhat – you know, in impressive fashion, losing to Miami on the road by three, uh, especially when that bench was as bad as it used to be, and then losing to the New Orleans Pelicans when Brandon Ingram puts up 49 points. Those those aren't bad losses. For, so then for last night to happen, I, I understand why Jazz fans think, oh, something must be terrible, something's gone wrong. It was just a strange outlier. We've been having this discussion about Mike Conley. It's a fascinating discussion. I don't know that there's any particular right answer, wrong answer, but we're going back and forth, you know, as he tries to find his way. And we had somebody uh, get on our phone line from the state of Tennessee and just guarantee us that Mike Conley will be there. Not only will he be there, he'll be the man. And got nothing to worry about with him. And so we see him play, and we're trying to project forward. I have a concern. It's, I don't know what percentage of a level of a concern, but it's out there to where, yeah, he'll really show up in the playoffs when you need his experience. And my thought for you to get your response is, how much can you expect him to really be a big-time player in the playoffs when he is trying to adjust to this entirely different role? Because it's clear when he was in Memphis, at most times he was at least, uh, at worst, the number two option, if not the number one option. And here you got guys like Mitchell, who obviously has proven worthy of a number one option, will be an all-star, all that stuff. And so you're asking Conley to fit in. And is he capable of then coming up with big moments if he's trying to fit in and he's got to think, okay, do I fit in? Do I take over? What do I do? And you overthink it and the moment's gone. So you put all that stuff in a big stew and then projecting ahead when we get to the postseason, what do you got? And so, Ben, you've got two minutes to give us the definitive answer right now. I don't think you can ask him to be the man in the playoffs if you haven't asked him to be the man all year. 
and the Jazz aren't asking him to be the man. So if you're waiting for Memphis Mike to come back and, and be that player, I, I don't think it's going to happen because the Jazz don't need him to be that. The Jazz aren't asking him to be that. If if he had come in and, and taken over the team and become you know what Boyan Bogdanovich did and came in and just said, you know what, I'm the number two scorer and I'm going to get shots and I'm going to make them and I'm going to hit big shots early like he did against the Milwaukee Bucks for the game winner, then then maybe Mike Conley would have that role. But he hasn't done that. The Jazz haven't asked him to do it. And then he got hurt, and the Jazz played so well that they're not going to probably put that on his plate when he does come back. So I do think those are issues uh, that Jazz fans may have with Mike Conley the rest of the year. If you're waiting for that to happen, stop. Because they haven't asked him to do it. They don't need him to do it. I don't think they particularly want him to do it. And then if he doesn't do it in the regular season, he's certainly not going to do it in the playoffs. But his role should continue to increase because I still think the goal is to get him back into the starting lineup. So watching him, I think I just want him to be more efficient. Uh, you know, the nine shot attempts, uh, yeah, there's probably one I would quibble with. Don't take that one. And if you make one of the open ones and you're one for three from three, a couple of the turnovers were unforced. You just fall down, dribble the ball off your leg or whatever. Can he just tighten up the act a little bit? Because – I don't, I don't think he needs to take over. If he comes in and he's efficient, and when he's got the opportunity, he beats his man, he makes the open shot, he finds the open guy with a pass, they are good to go. Yeah, I agree. He, he doesn't need to come in and, and do anything particularly impressive. He needs to be more decisive. I mean, I think that's something we haven't seen from him very much, is that he just comes in and kind of looks like he's still trying to figure it out. But that's absolutely understandable, because... He was trying to fit in with one team for the first 20 games of the year, and then he got hurt, and he came back, and he's coming off the bench, and he's trying to figure out how to play with a different team. And, and then last night, particularly weird because of that defense that the Houston Rockets were playing, and, and even after the game, Donovan Mitchell said, you know, we've played against that switching defense, and we know how to play against it, but Mike Conley hasn't, and Boyan Bogdanovich hasn't, and Jordan Clarkson hasn't, so it's not surprising that they don't know what we're trying to do to attack that team. So just based off recency bias, they looked weird last night, and Mike Conley didn't look very good last night and had five turnovers, tying the most he's had in the Jazz uniform. But th- that could be opponent-driven. I-, I don't think that's necessarily Mike Conley not having it. He's not the type of guy who turns the ball over a whole lot. So I, I-, I want to see him be more decisive. I, know- I want him to know what his role is, but I-, I don't know if the Jazz know exactly what his role is. So I-, I think all that just has to come together with time and reps the same way it has for Donovan Mitchell over a couple of years, and Rudy Gobert really took, you know, as great as he's been this year, he really kind of took another step in the last two weeks. It, it just it takes a while to continue to fit in. Yeah, okay, and I, we all buy that, but I get, and I'm not there yet, I'm just throwing it out there from a hypothetical standpoint for the sake of discussion. If I keep trying to fit in and fit in and fit in, if I end up with the square peg, round hole, I can keep trying to look at this thing thinking it's going to fit in eventually and eventually eventually wears out and we no longer have eventually and it's just not going to work. Is there anything there that gives you concern that that possibly could happen? I'm not saying it will. I'm saying possibly. Yes, but with the caveat that there's a very high safety net if it doesn't work, which is so he's Emmanuel Moutier, and he's your backup point guard, and he gives you as much as Emmanuel Moutier does for the most part. You know, Moutier had a good stretch, and, and I think the difference in play right now between Emmanuel Moutier and Mike Conley probably isn't enormous. But because we had these 
preconceived notions of who Moutier was when he joined the team coming from New York, and then how good we thought Mike Conley was going to be and how he's playing here with the Jazz, it feels like a step backwards, that, that maybe we're overvaluing what Moutier has done for the team and a little bit undervaluing what, what Mike Conley has done. So, yes, there's concern that he doesn't get back to being the level that he was at, and yes, he makes you know 30% of the salary cap, and that's a big number, and that's a number, uh, number you want to come in and give you enormous production. If he doesn't, Jazz were pretty good when Emmanuel Moutier was playing. And if Mike Conley's giving you that, they're still going to be very competitive, and they're still going to have Boyan Bogdanovich and Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert uh, in the starting lineup that's, that's capable of hurting you and beating you. And if Joe Ingles can break out of this mini-funk that he's been in again, and I think he has been in a little bit of a mini-funk since Mike Conley came back, and I think that's coincidental, uh, then I think the Jazz are going to continue to be a very dangerous team. And I, I totally buy your point that expectations will shape your view of how someone is playing. Uh, and I think that that is one of the reasons the Jazz and so many NBA teams buy into analytics because you've got this, now let's go double-check it, let's crunch the numbers. How efficient are we offensively and defensively with one guy on the floor and with the other guy on the floor to try and eliminate the whole, you know, the power of expectations shaping views? No question about it. And, and I mean, we, we do it with everything. I mean, we're just – we're. We're very flawed in how we observe basketball. And even just looking at it from a numbers point of view is a flawed perspective. I mean, the eye test matters. You know, what you're seeing actually matters and, and how it's working together matters. And the Jazz absolutely make decisions based on that sometimes. If it doesn't feel like it's working, maybe it's not working. There weren't a lot of great numbers that said that George Niang should be the guy in the lineup over Jeff Green. Jeff Green wasn't great, but the Jazz cut him, and George Niang started playing great, and, and the Jazz became a very good team all of a sudden. So, I test matters and feel matters. And then, of course, you know, preconceived notions certainly are, are a bias you need to be careful of. And that's something Quinn Snyder's done as well, that he's got to make sure he doesn't have biases. And, and you know, you, you pick up trends and you pick up things you like, and you have to be willing to abandon those and kill those things if, if you're just not ready for them or you don't want to. If you feel like you're over-embracing them, you just can't get too attached to them. The thing about Moutier is interesting. We were also discussing... DJ saying that, and you know, I don't have any arguments with what he's saying. That you got to give Conley a stretch of games to try to find his way, and so is that twenty, is that twenty-five games, and then you get to that point, uh, and and hopefully it doesn't get to that point. But if it does, to where okay, we need to get Moutier back in the lineup. Any concern that you've lost him because you have playing time that's allocated based on production, but. In a lot of cases, when you lose playing time, it's because you weren't producing. And Moutier has lost playing time, but it wasn't for lack of production. He was actually producing, and it was still taken away from him. So wondering if that could be a concern in keeping him engaged. Sure, yeah. You know, you, you go out of the lineup, and you don't do your job for a while, and then you're expected to come back in and play right away and, and pick up a role. It, that's going to be an adjustment. Now, I, I still believe that you're going to get Emmanuel Moutier back into the rotation at some point. I would imagine that was part of the plan is Mike Conley needs this time off the bench to work on his game and rehab and, and get back into game shape and, and get back to playing really important minutes with the team. And, and then once he gets into that starting lineup, the, that you'll probably see Moutier coming off the bench again a little bit more and handling some of that scoring load and handling a little bit of the playmaking because they're lacking it at times right now. I mean, his decisiveness was good coming off the bench, and maybe that's why Mike Conley's again looks a little bit shaky because you you had simplified the game down enough for Emmanuel Moutier, and that's not an insult to Emmanuel Moutier. I mean, you had just simple 
simplified the game to a point where the Jazz knew what they were trying to do every time they were on the floor, whether it was Moutier in the starting lineup, or I should say coming off the bench, or Joe Ingles in the starting lineup. There, there just was a, an identity that they were running with, and I think they're trying to reestablish that again a, a little bit. And right now, Mike Conley's trying to find it, and Moutier had it, and when the Jazz can move uh, Conley into the starting lineup, again, as I've said several times, I think that's the goal still then Moutier will come back in and, and help with that identity on the bench, and it will help everybody. I mean, I, I think the Jazz will go back to playing a little bit of a deeper rotation over the last 40 games. I understand Quinn Snyder likes to play nine guys, and then in the playoffs likes to play eight guys. I suspect we will see that again, but I, I don't think we've seen the last of Emmanuel Moutier yet. The Jazz are 10-2 and two in their last 12 road games. What do you expect out of this trip? San Antonio and Denver back-to-back Wednesday, Thursday, and then they're at Portland Saturday night. They should go 2-1. and one. I mean, I think that's fair to expect with, with how good of a team they are. And, and, DJ, you were talking yesterday about how this is a team that's projected or was going into the game projected to win about 58 games. And you win the majority of your road games when that's the case. And they're playing well on the road. So they're better than San Antonio. They're better than Portland. Are they better than Denver? I don't know. That's, that's the question that, that we've been asking for 20 games now and why these games have been fun and been exciting. And uh, they didn't look better than Dallas, and they beat them and they looked like they'd be better in Houston. <laughs> they didn't. So there's certainly some questions for this team, but the nice thing is, is you don't have to base anything the Jazz are going to do tomorrow or Thursday or Saturday on what you saw last night because what Houston did was so weird and so unusual, and, and the lineup they played of everyone six six or shorter with the exception of Isaiah Hardenstein, who played seven minutes, you're just never going to see that again. So I don't think necessarily you have to worry about that. And those teams that the Jazz are going to play, maybe with the exception of, of Portland, is really reliant on a big guy. I mean, you need to see a lot of touches from LaMarcus Aldridge if you're San Antonio. You need to see a lot of touches from Nikola Jokic if you're Denver. And that's good for the Jazz. The Jazz want your best player matched up against Rudy Gobert. They feel like they're going to win that matchup. So I want you to tell me if I'm up in the night, which for a guy who has a morning radio show is not good, obviously, because you get sleep deprivation, and then we know all the problems that can come from that. So that as the backdrop. The Houston game, they have real struggles making the three. And they still shoot 50% from the floor, which then means the actual two-pointers, what were they? 72%. 72% on two-pointers. I'm wondering, in situational situations i guess <laughs> good one that you, you you realize man we're up against a team that's real short and you know probably won't have that very much so that you put that off the side but the the bigger point is the threes aren't dropping but we're kicking butt on the twos but i know we're supposed to take threes is there any time you can just say all right you know the threes just aren't happening for us tonight how about we settle for twos because we're scoring twos at a stunning rate and this tonight, not all the time, and very rarely, but tonight might help us have a better chance to win. Is is that a excuse me? Is that a stupid theory, or is there any validity to it? No, the Jazz lost to the Houston Rockets two years ago, or I guess you know, really two years ago. It didn't happen as much last season, but and Chris Paul because Mike D'Antoni said, "Oh, we shoot the most threes in the NBA, and they're taking away the threes. What should we do? Well, let's kill them with twos." And, and the Jazz lost in that sense because Chris Paul was able to get into the mid-range and play well. And if you look at who the best mid-range shooting team has been over the last four or five years, it's been the Golden State Warriors because it's nice to give the ball to Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson when they're coming off a curl and have them rise up and, and shoot a good shot. Because when you do that, again, the defense compresses and then you can kick the ball back out to the three-point line. So you can set up the three-point shot 
with more twos. So, no, you need to be versatile. You need to be able to score everywhere on the floor, and that's why Boyan Bogdanovich has a lot of value as a guy who can go and catch the ball in the post and, and do some things. And I was surprised we didn't see that from the Jazz last night. We didn't see more of those uh, opportunities for him to get those touches where he would have had a size advantage and wouldn't be asked to put the ball on the ground where he had three turnovers and some of them were completely unforced. He just lost his dribble. That's an advantage for the Jazz. That's where I actually think Emmanuel Moutier has a ton of value for this team, and you could see him playing in a playoff series where teams are finding ways to eliminate the Jazz open threes or Joe Ingles threes, and they say, you know what, we need a guy who can get to 10 feet and get a good shot off and make that shot. And Emmanuel Moutier does it, and you know, if we want to make a comparison of who his game is like, it's somewhat Sean Livingston-like, and, and we know how important he was to these Golden State Warriors teams over the last four and five years. He just he would be that guy who would come in and make three or four shots or four out of six shots and have eight points, and they were reserve minutes, but they were minutes you were hoping you would win when Steph Curry or Clay Thompson was off the floor and they weren't playing that type of basketball where they were getting ten threes up in a quarter and making four of them or making five of them or, worst case, making six or seven of them and the game being over, but you realize there was no real drop-off for the few minutes that Sean Livingston was on the floor because he found a way to score efficiently. And you can still do that from the mid-range. No, it's not as efficient as three-point shots if you're making them, but if you're not making them, it's nice to have a secondary option. And I do think the Jazz actually have some of those and will continue to show some of those. But again, to go back to Emmanuel Moutier, that's a value he has and can add to this team. Uh, it's been well known over the last year and a half that one of the real problems with the Jazz is when Adam takes a night off and I cover the team. The home record is much worse with me at the game than it is with Adam Mikulich at the game. And I'm wondering if you've seen any trends like that in the pre-half and post-game. Tim Lacombe, Gordy Chazza, you. Is one of you a real problem? Do we need to minimize the games you're working? Tim was really bad to start the year. I, I want to say they were you know, something like 0-4 or 0-5. Uh, and, and I was actually doing very well, including some kind of weird come-from-behind victories mm-hmm. the Jazz had had. I think we've started to even out. And then again, it, everyone's been eating well over the last 20 games. You know, the, the Jazz just aren't losing many of those. And I was working that, that weird Pelicans game that they lost. And, and you know, I, I guess I picked up an L there. And then I picked up a weird one last night. So maybe the recent trend is, is I'm the bad guy. It's certainly right. possible. I was working the Miami night when they traded for Jordan Clarkson and, and they lost that game. So I, I've worked all three of the Jazz last losses over since, what is that, December 14th? I worked the Oklahoma City game, too, so I worked the last four losses oh, for the you Jazz. Suck. So you do I'm suck. I'm doing terrible. <laughs> I got yeah, to the awful. bottom of this. <laughs> well, I, I honestly hadn't thought about it because I try not to blame myself. I think you need to be a little... Team. Hey, accountability, buddy. Look in the yeah. mirror. You need to be a little freer with the blame. Now, yeah, I'm did, looking at I the schedule now. They that. lost to the Lakers on December 4th. Did you work that one? They got blown out, 121-96. I didn't work that game. Okay, that's I was not it. doing radio that game. That's where the streak ends then. Okay. All right. Good to know. All right. Well, Ben, uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, try to enjoy the pre-half and post a little less often because you're clearly part of the problem. I know. I'm, a, I'm an issue. Thanks, guys. I'll try to stay home and watch on TV myself. All right. Ben Anderson, Jazz pre-half and post game.